It's episode 27 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey friends, welcome back. Thanks as always for joining me. Very excited to be here with you all today. Just chatting. It's been a few weeks since we've just had a little chat, I feel like, and I've been able to answer some of your questions too. So I'm excited to do that. I always love doing the Q&A sessions. We've just had a lot of guests and other topics we've needed to cover lately, so I haven't had a chance. But We're back with some big questions that need some big answers, I feel like. Before we get going on those questions, just one quick announcement about the Fat Burning Female Project. Enrollment will be January 2nd for the January 8th class if you do want to get started in the new year. But what I want to let you all know is there is a brand new webpage for the course. So I have updated the website to be a little bit more. Now that I've had a year of experience under my belt with the class, I wanted to update the website to really be truly what the class is about, have some testimonials on there, and get a little bit more specific about what you all can expect if you do want to do the class. So head over there and check it out if it's something that you're considering doing, and it should give you more information and hopefully help you out on that decision. That's my announcement. Now let's chat about what I've been into lately. So not a whole lot as far as new recipes or things you can throw in the crock pot is concerned. I have been eating pretty much the same thing for the past two weeks because I made a gigantic pork roast, 5.75 pounds, which is a lot of pork, a lot, a lot of pork. I got that over the summer from the farm down the street and just plopped it in my instant pot because I didn't know what else to do with it. And so I've been working my way through that and it was delicious. I've been eating it for pretty much every meal because 5.7 pounds of meat is a lot of meat for one person. (laughs) So I've been doing that. Not that exciting, but definitely delicious. But what I'm super into, which you probably know if you follow me on social media, are my snacks. I have this really awesome snack that can definitely serve as a treat if you're in the mood for something kind of dessert-like. I consider it kind of like my chocolate and frosting situation. So it is the Eating Evolved 100% dark chocolate. It's called Midnight Chocolate with artisana raw organic cashew butter on top as frosting. If you guys haven't tried that cashew butter, it has the same exact consistency as frosting and it's sweet. It's a pretty sweet taste, especially if you're someone that's not used to having sugar or sweet things like most of us in our keto lifestyle are pretty sensitive to sweets at this point. So it really tastes sweet. Now, it does have a little bit of carbohydrate. So if you are someone that is very sensitive to carbs or you're insulin resistant or diabetic, someone that really needs to watch out for that, then it may not work for you. But if you're someone who can handle a little bit of carbohydrate here and there and something you'd have to test it out for yourself to know, 
it is an awesome treat, especially with that 100% dark chocolate. So I'll either do that or I'll do the Eating Evolved Keto Cups and then put the cashew butter on top of that. If you're not familiar with the Keto Cups, basically they look exactly like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, except inside is coconut butter and then the chocolate is 100% cocoa. So they're very keto friendly. They're just basically a serving of fat in what looks to be a Reese's peanut butter cup, but they're delicious. They have coffee flavor and they have original flavor and they even have one that has a touch of stevia too. If you are someone that needs a little bit of sweetener to make it seem like a treat, whereas I don't need that. I don't want that. And I don't like the taste of stevia. So that wasn't an option for me. But the coffee ones are so awesome. Slather a cashew butter on top and you have this amazing keto-friendly treat slash snack slash whatever. If you want to try it, highly recommend. I will link to both of those products in the show notes on this episode. And if you use that link to Eating Evolve to get yourself some chocolate, you do also get a free gift with that link that I'll provide. So that's kind of cool. And you can try it and let me know because I'm obsessed with it. It's what I've been eating pretty much every afternoon. I want to see if you guys love it too. So keep me posted and let me know. Okay, so moving on. This really isn't a question, but I think it's going to potentially change the way we ask questions in our scenario from this Keto for Women experience that we're doing together. I'm hoping and thinking that it may change the way that we think about what we're learning here and what we're trying to do here. Now, this entire topic, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you follow me on social media or if you're in the Fat-Burning Female Project, it was something that came up this week in the Fat-Burning Female Project, their fifth week Q&A, live Q&A call that we had. And I always get all of the questions beforehand and I go through them to make sure I'm organized and that the call is going to flow and that I can answer all of the questions. I always end up getting very close to running out of time, but I always make it. And in these questions, I saw a theme and it's no different than the rest of the classes have been, but it finally clicked in me into how I could describe it to where women are now hopefully can understand where I'm coming from versus where their head's at. And you'll understand what I'm talking about when I get on to this topic. But that's how it all kind of started. And it's been this ever-present thing for me in starting the Keto for Women podcast, in starting the Fat-Burning Female Project, in trying to teach women how to become ketogenic. It's just been this overarching, never-ending, all-consuming topic that I have been trying to tackle every single time, all the time. And I finally got this revelation as to what I'm doing versus what others are thinking and how I can better explain it so maybe we all can get on the same path and on the same page with this keto thing we're doing together. So it's just kind of spiraled. First, it was just me kind of having this passionate moment in the Fat-Burning Female Project Q&A call. Then it spiraled to me having this passionate rant on Instagram and Facebook. And now it's going to spiral even further to the Keto for Women show. And I just have to get this off my chest. I have to explain this very passionately and very succinctly so that you guys get it. 
so that you get where I'm coming from and you get where you may be stuck because that's going to make a huge difference for both of us and for what you can get from what I'm teaching and what you can get from the ketogenic diet as well. So let's chat about this. Finally, I don't know why I didn't think about this sooner, it came to my realization that I am talking from the point of the ketogenic diet being in the health industry. Whereas much of you, whether you want to or not, whether you're trying to or not, are in the diet industry and thinking about the keto diet being in the diet industry still. And there's a huge difference between those two industries. The diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, probably even more than that now. And we've all been in that industry, me included. I spent almost my entire life in that industry. And I know that there's a lot of you with that similar background of going from diet to diet and trying different things and different things. Just the newest thing to come out about, oh, you want to lose weight? You're supposed to do this diet. You want to tone up? You're supposed to do this diet. This one lets you lose 20 pounds in six weeks. The diet industry is very much focused on what you put on your plate and how that will affect how your body looks. It's very much that mentality, and that's what they want. That, unfortunately, is what markets itself. Because if we can say, eat this way, and you'll look that way, guess what? We're all buying it, right? We are all putting our money into that bucket, and it's going to make a lot of money, It might get you the results that you want. More than likely, it's not going to. And then you go to the next thing that is now promised to give you that new look that you want, and you put your money in that bucket. And that's how it becomes this never-ending, very profitable business to be in because we will spend our money on all of those things with that promise that many, many times, most of the time, does not work. It does not yield those results. Now, does it sometimes? Yes. Is it for the short term? Yes. Is it doing damage to where suddenly everything comes back? You go back to the body that you had before, if not worse, and now you have to try something else again. Yeah, so it's this constant cycle, and quite honestly, it's a great business strategy because you're always going to spend more money trying to figure that out, and it is a never-ending battle that you're always going to lose, and you're always going to lose money in. You're going to spend a lot of money trying that next thing. The fitness industry, unfortunately, is very similar, and that's what markets itself. So if you're a business person, You want to be in that category because your business is going to be really easy. You're going to claim to be able to help women drop 10, 20, 30 pounds in six weeks, and people are going to buy that, right? So this exists within the keto community as well. There is the keto diet community within the diet industry, okay? And those are The things that you're seeing where it says, oh, I take this exogenous ketone supplement and it made me drop 10 pounds in two weeks. I 
ate this, this, this. I restricted my calories to this, this, this. I fast this many days, this many hours. I eat this much fat. I restrict. I do this. I do that. And I lose weight. This is the diet industry within ketogenic. Now, I am not that person. That is not my business. That is not my goal. That is not what I'm here on this planet to do. I am in the business of the ketogenic diet, which, yes, I've said many times I don't want it to even have that word in there, and this is why. I am in the business of the ketogenic diet, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, for women's health. That is not remotely in the same category as the diet industry because they don't care about your health. They don't. It's not even a topic of discussion or thought or conversation unless they can say, you need to lose 20 pounds to make you healthy. No one ever says that. And that's not a correlation. That's not an association. They would just do that as another marketing scam. If you're in the health industry like I am and like there are others, Leanne is a, from Healthful Pursuit is a great case of this. Jimmy Moore of all of Jimmy Moore's stuff, Live and Love You the Low Carb and Keto Talk, Fasting Talk, all of his podcasts. He's also in this category as well where we are in the keto space to help people heal their bodies. Now, when you're in that space, first of all, it's not nearly as flashy and sparkly and awesome, right? The marketing isn't quite there. We can't use all these awesome words like you're going to lose 30 pounds just like that. We can't use any of that scammy marketing tool. We aren't making claims and all this money and getting you into this spiral effect of all of these diets and goals and dreams that aren't going to happen. We have a harder job to do. I am taking the higher road here. It may not seem like it if you are someone that legitimately just wants to lose weight and you have no other goal or health purpose in your life at this point. It may be that that we're not a match. It may be that you listening to me or you following me isn't right for you in this space. And I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. I want to help women heal their bodies, heal their minds, live a better life, enjoy every moment. And I truly honestly believe because I felt it for myself in every single one of those categories that it can happen. It can and will happen through the keto diet as a means to opening a lot more doors. But it's not the same keto diet that is talked about in the diet industry. It's not the same. We can almost think of it as two completely different things. My version of the keto diet that I want to help you with and will help your body and will heal your body looks different because I want you to eat enough food. I want you to eat enough fat. I want you to look at all your other health issues and really understand how everything in your life could be affecting your health just via your stress and your hormones and your gut issues, how everything in a holistic way is impacting your health and can be helped by you getting into a ketogenic state. I want you to produce ketones. I want you to feel really good 
But most importantly, perhaps, is I want you to figure out a way and understand what it looks like to get to a place where this isn't something that's all-consuming and something you have to think about nonstop because I want you to just enjoy your lives. I want you to find something, well, hopefully lots of things that you want to think about and you want to do and you want to feel happy doing way more than thinking about your food and overthinking about what's on your plate and how much fat and how many calories and is this going to make me gain weight? Is this going to make me lose weight? What should I be doing? Should I be fasting? Should I be this? Should I be that? It's just way too much, ladies. It's too much. We have way more on our plates, in our lives, hopefully good stuff. And if not, then you need to get out there and create some good stuff for yourself to think about then all of these minute details of our diets. And that's the beauty about keto is that it really can be very freeing. It can be very possible to get into this space where you feel freedom. And that's one of the biggest things that I see with the women in the Fat-Burning Female Project is they finally have freedom from this crazy diet mentality, from this crazy overthought of foods it doesn't have to be that way. And it really shouldn't because life is too short to think about this stuff the way that we are, quite honestly. And that's what I want to teach. So I have a big goal. I have a lot on my plate that I want to teach you guys. And I don't want it to fall upon deaf ears or I don't want it to fall upon ears that aren't ready to take it seriously because you're still stuck in this diet industry because you're still stuck in that cycle. And so you still want to ask me and you still want me to talk about why am I not losing weight when I've been keto for two weeks? Because I'm not kidding you. I get that question all the time, all the time. I would be able to retire right this second if I had $5 for every time someone has asked me, why am I not losing weight while on a ketogenic diet? I'm not in that industry. I'm not in the diet industry that you're in. You're thinking diet industry. I'm thinking health industry. So therefore, I'm going to say, well, we need to look at the rest of your health. You're eating. What's on your plate is one of many different things that we need to look at to see why you're not losing weight. But also, it's been two weeks, right? So again, the diet industry has fed us the ideas that this whole thing, no matter what we do for what diet we decide to do for our body composition, it should be quick and it should be lasting forever and we should be able to get exactly the body we want. Doesn't matter what our genetics are, what our body has looked like in the past, what our exercise is, nothing like that. It's that we choose this diet, we give it two weeks, we should see immediate results, it should be doing exactly what we were told it would do, and if it's not, we get frustrated and we move on to the next. I'm here to tell you, first of all, it doesn't work that way. You have to eventually break that cycle for anything to work because That in itself, that cycle is very damaging to your body. It's very 
much going to contribute to further weight gain because your metabolism is just totally tanked by this point if you continue on that trend. And eventually, no matter how long you go through that cycle of all of this and wanting this quick fix, wanting the crash diet because you want to lose 10 pounds in two weeks and when it doesn't happen, you get frustrated and you end up getting mad at your body and and you get into this negative headspace, eventually you are still going to have to deal with what's going on with your health. You're still going to have to get there at some point to where you're looking at this deeper stuff where you're taking and putting the diet thing on the back seat for a minute and focusing on yourself and your health and and your imbalances and what needs to be healed. That's the only way it's really going to happen. I hate to break it to you. I know you all know this, but it's like I just need to keep pounding it because it's got to break. It has to break and you have to let go and stop focusing on the diets, get out of the diet mentality, whoever you are following that is in that diet mentality, honestly, it might be worth unfollowing them for a little bit because it's going to be confusing. And I know so many of you are confused because you hear this way, XYZ is the way to do keto, but then you hear me and Leanne and other people who promote health for keto in saying the opposite, saying You don't need to track. You need to eat a lot of fat. You need to eat enough calories, all this stuff. And it's confusing. It shouldn't be because we're in two completely different categories, two completely different industries. But in my opinion, we're in the industry that is doing the right thing, leading with integrity, not lying to you all, and trying to help you. So Maybe now, if you haven't already, which I know there's a bunch of you that this is already, you're just like, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. We already know. We're in your in your boat. We got it. But there may be a time to change. There may be some people out there that haven't completely shut that door and closed it and locked the door and threw away the key. That may not have happened for all of us yet. I know that it hasn't because I see it every single day. So I know there's lots of you out there. I think I have probably 20 questions waiting for the Keto for Women show. They literally say, why am I not losing weight on the ketogenic diet? It's been two weeks. And I'm not going to answer those questions. I'm sorry. I'm not going to. We can look at that in the Fat Burning Female Project. I think anyone who is in that category should go into Fat Burning Female, and then you can start looking at your health. But I'm not just going to answer because I don't have that answer, and I you'd have to go to the diet industry to have them answer. And you know what? They don't have that answer either, except, oh, here, well, then try this diet. Try this other one then. So I'm just putting it out there rather bluntly, but I feel very passionately about this, and I really want to get this out. I just want to get this message out there. And I hope you guys are all on board with what I'm saying. I hope we can all make this change together. It is an amazing feeling to be out of that circle of death (laughs) that you can keep going with the diet industry. I really hope you all can take this to heart. And like I said, if you're not ready, you're not ready. I'll be here when you are. Don't worry about it. But that's the reason why you may be getting conflicting information, why you may be hearing that you're supposed to lower your calories and lower your fat 
and all that stuff if you want to burn fat and all that gimmicky stuff on the surface sounds like it should work, but it actually doesn't. That's why. Diet industry, which is very prevalent in the keto community, extremely, extremely prevalent because it makes money and because it's flashy versus health industry ketogenic diet, which is more science-y, more let's heal your body. Let's look at this from a holistic perspective. I'm not going to tell you things that don't work and isn't true. I'm just going to give it to you straight. And you may not like the answer, but sorry, you will end up feeling a heck of a lot better if you just start now and just go through the process. Okay. That was a very long explanation of what I wanted to say. But as you can see, I'm passionate about it. I hope you all are too. Here's the thing, and this is something that I've been wanting to say the past couple episodes because we've had some really good episodes with Dr. Barry last week and just the whole keto for the holidays. I got great responses to that as well. We have to remember that this is a community that we need to build. This is something that we have as Keto for Womeners, the responsibility to reach and help other women. There is someone in your community, there's someone in your circle that is a woman that needs help. They need either help with their health, help with getting out of their diet mentality. They just might need to get kind of a refresher on what's healthy and what's not. They might be stuck just listening to their doctor and not thinking outside the box. We have the responsibility as women who want to help other women to give them this information. And I really would love it, not so I can get more listeners or anything like that, but so that we can help as many people as possible, because that's the goal of mine. And I'm sure it's the goal of many of yours. Helping people is pretty amazing to just remind them that they do have the option of listening to the Keto for Women show to get more information. Give them the links to specific episodes that they might like, or just give them the overall path to get here, how to listen to podcasts, whatever they might be, wherever they might be at, to get them to start getting the information for themselves. If you do that, you will be doing some great service for those women in your life lives that you love. And I have lots of men that listen to the show too for their loved ones. And so if you have a woman in your life who may not be ready to hear it for themselves, but maybe their husband or their brother or friend or whatever would, give it to a man. Tell a man to listen in so that maybe we can at least slowly start getting the information out there. And of course, a lot of what we talk about here goes for the men in the keto community too. So they could probably get some good information as well. Okay. That's my public service announcement for today. And that's also my rant for today. I just feel so good. Like I just kind of had that thought in my head for so long and I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to separate the two things that were being taught in the keto community. And I just felt really at odds about it. There was a lot of angst in my head around how I could get this message out. And then finally, it came to me like, oh, it's a completely different industry. It makes so much sense. And so now I just need to share it with the world. So hopefully it makes more sense for you all too. Okay, let's get into some questions. 
Today's questions are the most popular ones I have besides the 20 that I have asking about losing weight. Kind of skipped over those. These are some of the most popular ones that I have. I'm not going to read any of the questions because that would just take away too much time. They're pretty all pretty basic. I just think we can go right into the answer. The first one is about testing your glucose while on a keto diet, especially that fasting glucose. So this is something I hear very often, and it seems like something that should be worrisome, but actually isn't. So I just want to clear the air for all of us ladies. If you decide to test your glucose while also testing your ketones, and we'll talk about that in just a second, because I do think that has a lot of value. It's a really good additional resource we can use to learn about our bodies and how we're being affected by the foods we eat. But you will probably test your fasting glucose for sure when you are testing. And many times you will see that the fasting glucose when you're in ketosis is higher than it usually is. So it may be somewhere like in the high 90s, low 100s, or something like that, where you're used to being kind of in the mid 80s or something, and it freaks you out. It's a little scary to not understand why all of a sudden am I having increased blood glucose when I'm trying to lower it by going keto. So what's happening? Is this not working? My body's not responding. What's going on? Totally get it. The cool thing is that we don't need to worry about that. And what it actually is, it's kind of a sign that, and a really good one at that, that you are a fat burner. So that's cool. So most people, when they are testing their fasting glucose, it's in the morning after you've been fasting overnight for probably about 12 hours or so. That's a normal time to test your fasting blood glucose. What happens in the morning is we have this kind of surge of glucose via gluconeogenesis, so our liver producing glucose from glycogen, into our blood for the parts of our body that do require glucose, which there are parts in our brain, the conversion of T4 to T3 in our thyroid. There are specific parts of our body that do need glucose. And our muscles used to be one of them. So before we became fat burners, we were using glucose to fuel our muscle. But we turn into fat burners, we start using ketones, we don't need that blood glucose anymore to fuel that. But no matter what, we still kind of have this, I kind of like to think of it as this like wake up call. And it's all part of the process of waking us up. But it also means that we get this surge of glucose, and normally it would have gone to your muscles. Now we don't need it. So your body's like, nah, I don't need it. So it just kind of keeps it in our blood, and that shows as a higher blood glucose reading while being fasted. So kind of cool because it shows that you are a fat burner, that you are being fueled by ketone production, and your body doesn't need that glucose. So not anything to worry about unless, and here's the caveat, so if you do see that higher blood glucose reading in the morning, 
I would definitely still recommend testing your blood glucose throughout the day and maybe start a little bit of a journal so that you can track it for a few days a week for a few weeks or something just to make sure that it's something that is just happening in the morning. So this whole process is called, some people know it as the Dawn effect. Some people know it as adaptive glucose sparing. That's kind of what I like to refer to it too because it doesn't sound as scary. So regardless, that's how we know if it is adaptive glucose sparing or if it is actually something where you do have some sort of blood sugar dysregulation is by continuing to test and getting more information on your body. So if you want to continue to test, and I really kind of recommend at some point, I mean, it's not necessary to do it if you know that your blood sugar is spot on, which you would have to find out through a doctor at some point anyway. But if you're just kind of curious about your blood glucose, and especially if you already have a Precision Extra or a Keto Mojo ketone meter, you can just as easily test your blood sugar using those tools just you would need to get different test strips. So you need to get the glucose test strips instead of the ketone test strips, and then you can test your blood sugar in the same exact way. So if you're going to do that, like I mentioned, you're going to do the fasting. I think everyone should do a fasting blood glucose test. If it's elevated, you will continue on to do a postprandial glucose test. So that means post-meal, basically. So one hour after a meal and two hours after a meal, you test your blood sugar again and see how those numbers look. If those numbers are elevated as well, then you have high blood sugar and something that you need to monitor, maybe talk with your doctor about and see Maybe go in and get more tests through your doctor and just get more, even more information. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So we need some numbers. I know we need some numbers to understand what these all should be. I think I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but just in case I haven't, or if you didn't write it down, let's talk about it again. So for those optimal fasting blood sugar markers, we would want them to be no more than 95. I would say for people in ketosis, I would say anything as low as 75 would be okay too. So 75 to 95 would be a normal, optimal blood sugar reading when you're fasted. If it's lower than that, I am someone that thinks that even if you're in ketosis, that is too low. That is hypoglycemic tendency and something you want to really think about and look into further and see if it's something that you need to work on. I really am not someone that thinks that the blood sugar should be anything lower than 75, even if you're in ketosis. I mean, maybe if you're into the low 70s sometimes, but you feel okay, maybe, but it should not be a regular thing and it shouldn't cause you to feel any differently. So just because we are in ketosis doesn't mean our bodies don't have to have blood sugar. They still do. We still need glucose for these functions in certain cells and our body will very tightly regulate that between those numbers no matter what, whether we're producing ketones or not. So what ketosis does and what having a nice, healthy 
stable blood sugar does is it just kind of keeps your body within and that blood sugar reading within these optimal markers. So it's keeping you from swinging too high and too low. But yes, there is a too low in my opinion, and that's something that you need to monitor as well. So if you wake up and you have really low blood sugar, lower than 75, like I said, something to keep track of and and maybe get more information from your doctor. Also, like I said, if you are fasting and you are above 95, most likely it's this whole adaptive glucose sparing effect but something to continue to monitor, which then we go into these postprandial or post-meal readings. So one hour after you eat, you ideally should be between 100 and 130. If it's lower than that, not a problem as long as it's not in the 70s like we just talked about. So for these postprandial readings or post-meal readings, ideally, we would want our blood sugar no higher than 130 one hour after our meal and 120 two hours after our meal. So you can see it would go down slightly as we get further away from that meal we had. And again, just as far as the low end goes, we just don't want it to get too low either. It can definitely get to a point where you are having really low readings after meals, and that's a case of reactive hypoglycemia, which definitely needs to be handled and managed. So really important that you don't see a low number and think that's a good thing necessarily. So we want to keep it, like I mentioned, never any lower than that 75-ish range. And again, those higher numbers, keeping those intact too. So if it is higher than this 130 and 120, one hour and two hours after a meal, then this is, again, more signs that you do have blood sugar dysregulation. You may be getting to a point of insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes, that kind of thing, depending on what your numbers are. But it's giving you more information about your body, first of all. And second of all, more of a need to go get more tests. So you would then need to go to your doctor and ask for a fasting insulin test and your HbA1c tested. So like I mentioned before, your HbA1c is kind of just this three-month average of what your blood sugar has done basically every single moment for those three months, and then it turns it into this average that's a percent. Very cool, awesome test, really does a way better job at showing us what our blood sugar is doing than just our own tests using our blood sugar monitors because, first of all, those meters can be not all that accurate. And second of all, it's just a snapshot in time, whereas your HbA1c shows all of it for three months, which is really cool. So that would be a marker to definitely then go look and see if that is within range or trending high or trending low because it will give you more information as to where you stand as far as your health goes for your metabolic disease potential. So in the functional world, the HbA1c range is from 4.8 to 5.7. And that's pretty close to the traditional standard lab ranges too, depending on your doctor and what they think. They may not do 
or see enough if it's lower than that. Whereas for me, that's showing we might have some hypoglycemic tendencies that need to be addressed, whereas they might kind of push that off. Not sure on that, but it's pretty close to those same lab ranges, which is nice. And then your fasting insulin, again, that functional lab range is going to be from two to five. And hopefully most doctors will do that if you go in, especially if you go in and tell them you've been testing your blood sugar and it's been looking a little high, then they will hopefully do that fasting insulin test for you and be able to show you that. And then that's, of course, just showing what your insulin is doing in response to this blood sugar level that you're having, which is really important because that's then what coincides with the disease and how that is going to hopefully not happen. Hopefully that all makes sense. I mean, the whole question was just about that whole adaptive glucose sparing effect, which if you are testing your blood sugar and it's higher in the morning than you're expecting, but then evens out the rest of the day. So you test one hour and two hours after a meal and it's back to in the 90s or 80s or something like that, then you have nothing to worry about. That's just kind of your body's wake-up call, your body's breakfast, and it's being fed with this glucose. And eventually it all gets to where it needs to go and you're fine the rest of the day. Okay, cool. And then for the rest of you, just no matter what, getting some more information about those blood sugar markers is always great, like I said, especially if you have that monitor already. All right, let's move on to low-carb purgatory. Again, not something I'm going to read any questions about, but I do have a lot of questions in my queue asking that I talk more about low-carb purgatory because I mentioned it a few times and now it sounds super scary and none of us want to be in it ever and we don't know if we are or not. So first of all, it sounds scarier than it actually is. That's because I made up the name. (laughs) Low-carb purgatory isn't a actual thing. It's something that I call when you are on or think you're on a keto diet, but you're actually not. So here's the thing with low-carb purgatory. I really think, and this is why I created the term, that the people that need to worry about it the most are those people who are all gung-ho on doing the keto diet, and so they take out the sweet potato, they take out the rice, the bread the croissants, the rolls, all this stuff, and they don't change anything else. So then they just start eating chicken and broccoli and maybe a pad of butter here and there, and they think they're doing keto. That's who I'm talking about being in low-carb purgatory. And as you can see, that is not a healthy place to be because, first of all, you're super low food because probably most of those things – Like, for instance, if you're used to eating rice or pasta once a day, and then you go to eating cauliflower rice and zucchini noodles, that's a huge difference in energy, right? So we just become low food and low energy. And if you're not replacing that, and even more so than you think with fat, that's when you're in low-carb purgatory, That's when we have an issue and that's when it becomes a really stressful state on your body because you aren't producing ketones, but you're also not fueling your body with glucose. 
So your body has no idea what to use for fuel and you're not giving it any fuel and that becomes super stressful. Then your body starts breaking down muscle, which I don't think any of us want to do. Trust me, you don't. Not if we want to age remotely gracefully. And because it needs glucose, so your body can get glucose from your muscle through gluconeogenesis. That's the breakdown of protein into glucose. That absolutely can happen. And your blood sugar gets out of whack because you're not really saving any of those blood sugar swings from happening through the consumption of fat. And you aren't giving it your body enough nutrients. That's where it becomes a problem. So now we have this gray area where it's like, okay, I think I'm eating enough fat to be out of low carb purgatory, but I don't know for sure. And I obviously don't want to be in that place. So what do I do? Well, first of all, I would tell you to join the Fat Burning Female Project and you won't ever have that question ever again because I will clear that up for you very quickly. Second of all, go back and listen to the episode that I did and I'll link to this in the show notes in case you haven't already heard it where I was talking about getting into ketosis without tracking your macros. And I talk about the amount of servings of fat you need to eat in a day, which is going to be at least 12, probably more like 14, 15 for some women, getting that amount of fat in so you know you're getting the right amount of food in and the right amount of nutrients in to keep your body in this homeostasis happy place where it has all the nutrients it needs and doesn't start breaking down muscle and freaking out and calling upon cortisol to get your body through the day. And You just need to also kind of tap into your own body. I mean, I talk about this all the time, but you have the power to know how something's working or not working for you. It's going to be very obvious if you're in low-carb purgatory because you're going to feel terrible. You're not going to feel good. You're going to feel tired, weak. You might even feel like jittery or shaky. You're going to feel hungry, brain foggy. It's going to feel not great, and it might even come to feel like keto flu, but like a keto flu that lasts too long. So keto flu really should only be a few days before your body starts producing ketones and you start feeling the benefit of producing ketones. If it lasts more than a few days, you might be in low-carb purgatory. And if so, I tell you to increase the fat. Of course. That's the cool thing about low-carb purgatory is that it's very easy to get out of by literally chomping on some butter. (laughs) It's that easy. Go for it. It's actually really delicious. So, you know, the hard part about the keto lifestyle as it pertains to the health industry is that I do have to get you all over the hump of thinking that fat is going to make you fat and that fat is going to cause heart disease and all this stuff, which I mean, now we've had, what, 27 episodes where that's pretty much been the theme of every episode. So I'm hoping it's sinking in now and you have many other people in the keto for health community telling you that too. So hopefully we can get into that space where you're just going to need to eat more fat. It's that easy. And you'll get yourself out of low-carb purgatory very quickly. You'll start feeling those benefits. And life is great. And if you are hearing anywhere 
in the keto community that you need to decrease your fat to lose weight, to do this, to do X, Y, Z. They're putting you back into low-carb purgatory. That's not nice, right? Yeah, it may cause some immediate weight loss because you are now have decreased your food intake so much. But in the end, here we go again, we're going to have to eventually readdress your health because that's going to put you into a place of a health status that you're going to have to climb out of at some point. It's not going to do anything good for your health to lower your fat intake while trying to do a ketogenic diet because it's going to take you out of ketosis. It's going to lower your calorie point to a level that is unhealthy. That's all there is to it. Now, I do want to also mention, which I've mentioned before, and again, it's going to be about working with your body, that once you are in ketosis, solidly producing ketones and have been for at least three to four weeks, then maybe you don't need as much fat. You're kind of at that point in the safety zone to where low-carb purgatory isn't going to happen. You're not going to get there by lowering your fat and maybe eating more protein or eating more carbs because you feel better doing that and you feel better lowering your fat intake a little bit as long as those ketones are still being produced. So that's the beauty. It's different for everybody. I can't say that that's going to be the case for you, but it is something where you could try once you're in this nice state of ketosis, you have been there for a while. If you're just feeling like you're eating too much fat and it's not satisfying you anymore, it doesn't sound good anymore, and you want to try to switch things up a little bit, or even just a day or two out of the week, which that's kind of what I do. Most of the time I eat really high fat, but then sometimes it just doesn't sound good. So I have a day that's less fat, more protein, maybe a few more carbs, and I'm fine. It's not putting me immediately into low-carb purgatory. It's fine. I'm still producing ketones. I still feel really good. And even if I do hop out of ketosis for a small period of time, I'm right back in within 24 hours and that's not enough time to cause any damage or to do anything bad or make me have to go through the whole thing again. So you can get to that point as well. But if you're not there yet and you're someone who's trying out the keto lifestyle but having trouble getting to a point where you're producing ketones, just increase the fat. Get yourself out of that low-carb purgatory. You should hear low-carb purgatory and go, ha, 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 that's definitely not me because I'm eating so much fat that I couldn't possibly be in this place where I'm low food and just low-carb and not high-fat, low-carb. Big difference there, right? Okay, that should get through that. And then the last thing I want to talk about, which kind of coincides with what we talked about at the beginning of the show with my little rant spiel, PSA, all that stuff. I just want to go over one more time really quickly the calories in versus calories out thing because I know we touched on it a little bit last week with Dr. Barry and he obviously very quickly said that it's not a thing, it's a hoax, it doesn't matter, that's all about what we eat, which I completely agree with, obviously, but I'm No, I've already talked about this in an episode prior, and I'll link to that in the show notes so you can go back and re-listen to me talking about the calories in versus calories out. But I also think that it's a topic that I need to talk about a lot because no matter how much I talk about it, I still get questions about it. And I know you still, in the back of your mind, are thinking about it, even though we talk about it all the time. 
So I thought I would just on the heels of last week's episode, revisit that again to remind you what it means and why it's not a thing. So calories in versus calories out seems like it should be an equation that works. However, the equation would only work if calories were, so say calories in were A, calories out were B, and then weight loss was C. That would mean that that's a normal equation. That's how math works. But that would mean that every single calorie in were exactly the same. So that would mean that 250 calories in a Snickers bar were exactly the same as 250 calories in salmon and asparagus and butter. Not the same thing, right? We all can know that. It doesn't take anybody any sort of brain power to understand that. And then calories out too would also need to be treated exactly the same with our bodies, which is not the case. It completely depends on the kind of workout you do, your metabolism, your hormones. I mean, there's a million different things that go into calories out. So then it can't just be B. So now we have an A that's not really always an A and a B that's not really always a B, which means a C can't ever really be a C. So that's how we can kind of, if we are very mathematical or scientific and we think that, well, yeah, it makes sense that calories in versus calories out is a thing, that is how we can kind of debunk that and just kind of throw the whole equation out the window. But then also we need to think about how we as humans work, which is I think it helps all of us to go back to think about how we were created and how we were built to survive back in the day. We were not built to survive in 2017. We were built to survive in the Paleolithic era. And in those days, there wasn't a diet. There was no such thing as a diet. And so our bodies are not built to diet. Our bodies are built to store fat and energy when it's needed and to burn fat and energy when it's needed. And so that is a survival mechanism in our bodies that we will always have to deal with no matter what year it is. And when our Paleolithic ancestors consumed less, it was because there was a famine or there was nothing to hunt, there were no berries in season, no veggies to pick, whatever the case. And so the body, not knowing when more food was going to come in, can downregulate all of our energy systems to save in order to survive through this time when we don't know when food's coming in again. That is a fat storage mechanism that your body will store fat as energy on your body as a way to get you through this time without food. And that's what calorie restriction means to your body. Now, the diet industry is going to tell you something totally different. And you will see that sometimes those calorie restriction things work for a short period of time before your body understands that's what's happening. I mean, it's usually maybe like a few-week process. You lose a bunch of weight, and then it stalls because 
your body is saving energy for that famine and not knowing when that famine will be over. And so for you to continue losing weight, you need to lower your calories even further and even further and even further and even further until you're barely eating anything. Or you start storing fat because your body is trying to help you survive through this period of not having enough energy coming in. So then when we do have a period of time where in the Paleolithic era, there was an abundance of veggies growing and berries on the trees and deer to kill or whatever it may be, and there was a lot of food around, they ate to satiety as much as they could hold. And their bodies used that energy, kicked up their metabolism, realized there was no longer a famine, started using the energy on their body as well, and they were more active. They started being able to do more things. They were obviously spending lots of time hunting and gathering, and it was an active life. And they burned through that energy. So if you look at it from just like this perspective of how we are built physiologically, what our bodies are designed to do, always trying to keep us safe, not having any idea what a diet is, then first of all, we sure can't get mad at it when it doesn't do what we want it to do. And I really think that this Keto for Women audience has a hard time not blaming their bodies for things. We really need to be super loving and caring and respectful to our bodies and not in this constant mindset of, well, why is it looking like this? Why isn't it doing this? I'm eating this and it's not working. You know, it's not your body. It's not. Your body wants to be healthy and well and balanced, but you have to do what you need to do to get it there. And if it's not getting there, it's giving you that as a sign to try something else, to stop this diet roller coaster, to stop listening to these people in the diet mentality and maybe just take a break from it. I wanted to talk about the calories in versus calories out just from that perspective of reminding ourselves of what our bodies were built to do. Because I think, I mean, I know for me, it makes a lot more sense to think about that as, oh, of course, when I don't feed my body, it's going to store it because it thinks that I'm going to need more energy to get through the day. I mean, if I'm eating less than what my body is burning through throughout the day, of course it's going to store that so that I can get through my workouts, I can get through my work days, my brain can function because otherwise I'm just going to go take a nap for 24 hours. There's nothing more I could do. So of course it's going to store that in the form of fat to keep me protected. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I hope that does for you too. Okay, we'll stop there for today. I know I talked a lot of very passionate stuff. I really, really hope it resonates with you. I really hope you will continue to join me on this health journey. But please realize that when I'm talking to you and answering your questions, and teaching you and helping you in the Fat Burning Female Project, it is coming from a place of health and healing. It is not coming from a place of being in the diet mentality and just trying to get your money and trying to tell you that you're going to lose 20 pounds in two weeks. Not doing that, never will. I think way too highly of myself to ever do that to you. Okay, so I hope you all know that and will continue to follow along with me and 
Of course, as always, if any of this conversation brought up any questions that you would like me to expand on further, please email me at info at ketoforwomenshow.com and we will make sure to get to those questions. All right, everyone. Until next week, take care. Take care.